what does it actually look like to care for staff in a supervisory role? What does it mean to actually show up? Well, for me, like, I've always been the kind of um, manager that I won't ask you to do it if I won't do it myself. So if I'm asking you to scrub the toilet, I'm willing to go scrub the toilet myself when you don't show up. You know what I mean? Like, I think that a good manager or supervisor has to understand the responsibility of filling that position themselves. And where I seen also the corporate company go wrong is they would hire somebody from outside into an executive level position that didn't know our system, didn't, you know what I mean? Like, and so they would come in and not be able to cover when they had an employee that was sick. You know, the way that I did things, I um, could jump into anybody's job. I don't care if it was the person answering the phone. I would jump into their job if we didn't have coverage for them to go on vacation because they were given, you know, PTO time. They should be able to use that PTO time. But a lot of times people don't feel like they can use that time because they don't want to leave and then come back to 500 emails and um, things not done because there's nobody taking over that job. So as a manager or supervisor of people, I would step in and do that daily job. Now, there may be some things that, you know, they would have to come back and organize a little bit, but I would keep their job going every single day. Or if we had somebody quit, I could jump in and know right where they were at and back them up. Um, and so I think that's really important to be a good leader, or supervisor, manager of people. You have to be part of the team and work with them. You can't place yourself on a pedestal or feel you're superior to them or tell them go and do this, but not be willing to do it with them if that's what they need until they get it. I would completely agree. And I would even go farther to say that I think a lot of the team members need to be cross-trained because it can be a lot for one manager to take on a lot of that too. So if people are cross-trained, a little bit of delegation spread out really doesn't feel as much extra responsibilities as it is one person to take on a whole entire role. Yeah, I did a lot of that. And um, also as people progressed and grew, so I had this um, one girl she started and she actually started on the phones like a customer service. Then we taught her how to process applications for exterior improvements. So she did that all day long. And then she, um, you know, as we grew, I was able to hire people to come into those more entry-level positions. And she had learned enough to come up and do something more with me. And so then I moved her into accounting and I started teaching her the accounting. And so she was my second level that could cover those positions also as she learned from me. And then as I hired people, I intentionally did that too, like brought them into knowing enough at least about a, a person's job um, that they could cover it. Um, I think that, you know, some people are really good at doing that. And then other people are like very territorial about their stuff. You know what I mean? I think it's like a control thing for them. It's just like, I don't want anybody else in here or to know, you know, how I'm doing, what I'm doing or in my steps. So it, I think that that's another thing that you have to work through in growth with people um, is how do you get them out of that, you know, feeling like they've got to be in control of and not have the backup because they don't want to share because maybe their own insecurity makes them think, well, if somebody else can do my job, then they can replace me, you know, but I was really successful in having a few people be able to do that. But then I also experienced a lot of like people going, 
you know, no, I don't just wait till I get back. I'll, I'll take my vacation, but it'll, it'll wait till I get back and I'll do it. And as a, as a person running a business and keeping the business going every day, I didn't feel comfortable with that. You know, um, things have to keep moving every day. So some plan has to be made for that coverage to happen. And some people are okay with it and appreciate it. And some people were very um, demanding of like, no, I'll just take care of it when I get back. I feel like there's more than just insecurities. I feel like a lot of times that could be former where you left someone else took care of your stuff and they really messed it up. <laughs> now, beyond the work that you came back to, it's like twice the amount that you ever had to experience if you just left it. And I think that is a common experience. It's too common, but that does create like this workplace like trauma when you bring it into another environment, whether you could actually trust someone to show up and do your work. Right. No, I agree with that. That's true. And I've even experienced that, you know, and as you grow too, um, you know, when you're growing a business, you have to be able to let go. So I really enjoyed scanning the checks and matching up the checks and just doing the AR side of things. I mean, I love doing that job. It's just something I enjoy doing, but I had to let somebody else do it because it wasn't the best use of my time. So as we grew, I had to give that over to somebody else and trust somebody else with it. And you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I would think they're not going to do it like I would or they're not going to get it done like I would. But I had to let go of that in order to be able to delegate and just um, trust other people with certain things that I knew wasn't the best use of my time. Life happens like if you, if something happens where all of a sudden you're hot lives for three months. Like we hope that's never the case. An employee who has to have all of a sudden unexpected long-term leave of absence is three months, FMLA covered. Their job is guaranteed no matter what, because they're qualified. Now no one can do their job because they don't, no one knows what to do. No one's been trained in their work. So almost like they have to reinvent the wheel just to get that job done because no one knows how to do that. Exactly. That's where companies don't see they lose money. Like you lose money when you have to go and try to sort out and pick up all of those pieces that could have already been in place if you had a better plan. You know, I always had a plan and and I just watched everybody around me. We actually had like our community management division is what I helped build and run, but we were a full real estate business. So they had another side that was brokerage and I was on the leadership team for the brokerage, the rental properties um, and every other piece of, we had a maintenance department. And I seen all those other departments, especially when we sold to corporate, they fell apart because they didn't have somebody in a position keeping those stabilities in place to knowing where everything's at, knowing like one instance, the, so they would manage uh, properties, rental properties for investors. And part of um, those investors' properties, rental properties, some of them are in HOAs or community associations or in condo associations. So that owner has to pay that fee to that condo association, that HOA. So when corporate came in and, and this one girl had left, she had been paying all of those assessments to the HOAs and condos associations. It just dropped through the cracks. A year and a half later, they had to pay legal costs, court costs, and all this stuff because it finally went all the way to court because nobody was even paying attention <laughs> that that needed to be paid. And I kept saying... I'm not on that side, but where'd Brittany go? Because I know what she used to do, you know, and nobody, everybody just missed it. 
for so long until they actually, it cost them so much money to pay legal fees. But still, it's like they don't go back and figure out what they did wrong or try to make it better. They're just like, okay, pay it and go forward. And not really, they're really not evaluating the loss that they had there. I want to go back to something you said earlier. I think it's a really good point too. Like you said, if someone is growing and getting more responsibilities and they're growing with the company, you find someone else to come in entry level. I think that's something that really a lot of industries, whether it's corporate or even sometimes small businesses, you grow so many responsibilities. There's a lot of supervisors who won't take anything away from you. They won't take anything off your plate. Your plate just keeps growing and growing and growing. Maybe because you can't afford to have another person in, or maybe they don't see that you act, it's actually cost-effective to have another person that come in. Because it is true. You, your bandwidth is gone. So you keep adding and adding and adding, and now you're risking losing this person and having to hire like five more people to cover that because you did not do your due diligence to split up those responsibilities. Well, that goes back to another being a good manager and supervisor. I knew when their bandwidth was overloaded because I was closely in tune with what they were doing and what they had. And so I would literally meet with my team, the ones that had been there with me and growing with me, you know, the closest ones that had taken on those responsibilities. And I would say, what can you give away to move into doing this? And I would have those conversations with them and we'd plan it together. So when we brought a new team member in, they would train that team member on the what we agreed they were giving away. And then I would train them on what they were taking on. And I don't I, I don't see other people do it that way. Um, I think just because I care so much about what I do and I care about people that that was important to me that uh, everybody was on the same page. And I knew that's another thing I just keep going back to like the toxic corporate like it almost seems like the mind frame coming from above was there's no bandwidth right it's whatever we tell them to do for what we're paying them we keep giving it to them because we need that person to do it they weren't in touch with like you can't just keep dumping and dumping and dumping more and expect that it's going to still get done well Um. I don't know. I guess that's where the disconnect happens. And it just feels like there's this machine moving or like even in environments where it's a nonprofit or schools or anything like that. It's just like somebody established a foundation. And then as other people come in and move and don't know that foundation, they just pick up the pieces that they can pick up. But um I'm dealing with that right now with the lady that she's uh she's she took over a direct she's a director of a foundation. It was a foundation started like 35 years ago for the school district. It's a the county school district foundation. And um it, it, the county has just been a total mess. There's like 210 schools that have grant money or donated funds for specific projects or um clubs or whatever and nobody has really done a good job of keeping track of whose is what and what's restricted funds for specific reasons and what's not restricted funds and then how much is the foundations and what does the foundation do compared to all these separate accounts they're supposed to have for the schools so it's hard for her it's like it's a eight she's 18 months into taking over as the director but there was no and that's another thing that I think is totally a loss for companies is 
there was no history. There was no foundation. There was no training to turn over that position of where everything was at. Procedures. Right. And I'm really good at that. Like I clean up messes and I'll just create procedures. Like right now I went into my partner's business in Mississippi and um, I just sat with each one of her employees to see what they did first. Even I know the system a lot better than they do. They've only been on the system like a year when I started going there. And I wanted to see what they did first because I want to, you know, and then as I was watching them, I thought of things and wrote down things and planned things to show them how to do better or to add to just their knowledge to make them more valuable. And that's another thing too. That I always looked at like, if I teach them, it makes them more valuable. That benefits everybody. It's a win-win, right? But I, I don't understand people that don't think like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I just have always been where I want to share that experience and make people more valuable themselves. So like, especially when there is a lack of procedures, it's almost, and I've seen this when I've left a company, when I've seen other people leave a company. And like I mentioned before, like people may not understand how much you've taken on in that role until they realize they can't train just one person to do it. So at a job, there was a job where I had where I'm like, hey, I, I don't have the bandwidth to do this. I don't have the capacity to do this. They did hire someone else. And then when we both got to the point where we don't have the capacity, they were talking about hiring more people. And um, I was already in the process of looking for a different job for my own personal reasons. But it turns out that they ended up, what I've been told, they ended up having to hire five people. That used to be just two. Because it's surprising. One person who's been there longer does have a little bit more bandwidth to do a lot of stuff. If you hire a replacement, they're starting fresh and they don't have those procedures in place. Or there are procedures, but there's too many of them to absorb. There's just way too many procedures to absorb. And sometimes when someone comes in, they do have to just do something different. They have to own that position. And it's going to look a little bit different. But you can't expect someone who's been with the company for years and someone who's brand new to have the same bandwidth. No. And so you lose that. When you lose that long-term employee, it's so it's so detrimental to the cost of the company and people just easily want to replace people. And there's still that mindset in corporate America. There's still this mindset in even small businesses, a blind loyalty to your job. Like you must live for your job. You must breathe for your job. And then they're losing the people that are long-term that could have that loyalty to some degree. They're not giving back. No, and that that's got to change. Like that mind frame has to change. That's an old fashioned way of thinking. And maybe you know our parents killed themselves for a job. Maybe I have even. But my daughters aren't willing to do that. You know what I mean? Like they want to have some kind of life and make good money to support themselves. So that mind frame has really shifted. I think in our culture and people who own businesses need to shift with it because that's I've always you know learned like the the younger generation is our future so we have to be concerned about that mind shift and shift with it um that's why I, I enjoyed hiring girls that were 21 to 25 even up to 30 they were just still like sponges and they're so good with technology and they would just jump in there and do and then most of the time they would stop and and just not be afraid to tell me if they didn't know you know 
sometimes when you hire people with experience, they think that they know things that they don't know, and then they make a mess in my system. But the younger ones, I felt like they were more humble about just saying, I don't know how to do that. Can you show me how to do that again? Or I'm stuck on this. And then they learn more because they're willing to stop at the point of their knowledge, where sometimes pride, I think, with people and maybe other things, but I, I've noticed a lot of pride in experienced people. Um, they'll make mistakes because they think that they know instead of learning like your company and your process. I have experienced it also in my own personal, when I am faking it to make it and not asking for help, a lot of times there was this pressure for me just to know what to do. Like when I first became into my first direct supervisory role, I felt pretty abandoned. I maybe saw a supervisor one-on-one twice that whole year. And when I asked for help, they were helping somebody else who was in more need than I was. And so I'm like, I have to somehow just figure this out. I'm expected to know what to do and just all these problems and I can't ask for help and I think there's if you don't have that support either you're still not asking for help because you've learned you've learned not to ask well and that goes back so to you get good. people who are fresh in the industry willing to ask yeah and that goes back to like the company having a good plan in place um, back to the management company I worked for that was a family when you took on new properties um you had a um, person that was with you that knew those properties for the first six months. So they went to every meeting with you. They helped share the history with you. You had questions about things and projects that had happened in the past. That person had the knowledge and would help you research it if they didn't. So they didn't just get a manager and say, here, you got these seven properties and they're your responsibility now. They start a manager where they had that mentor relationship, right? And that partnership relationship of somebody that could help them to till they were comfortable in running it on their own. And I think that model in companies is what works for long-term success. But what you're talking about is they either were understaffed or the supervisor or manager didn't have the bandwidth or the knowledge to support the staff that they were hiring. And so you get put in a position of having to figure out, me too. I've had to figure out myself and it's probably been a blessing to me because it's just made me like that where I'll figure anything out now. But I'm also not afraid to ask questions if I know that that person knows more than me. Why waste my um, two hours researching if they can answer my question in five minutes? So if I have that resource, I'll use it. But most of everything I've done too, I've had to just go in and figure it out myself. But as a, a company owner, I want to model what I've seen is good, where you have those mentor relationships, you have those support systems in place. You don't grow um, past your bandwidth as a company to have the support to hire the people that grow with you. You know, if you don't have that, it's always going to be a revolving door of people coming in and out, and you're not going to have the stability that is really, in my opinion, a real successful company. I would say there, there's there's a growing point that sometimes you are understaffed up until a point because you are in this growing position. So it's hard to keep up this level right here. But what I've also seen worked when you don't have the capacity to support, like say 10 new directors as this one person, 
there's also peer mentorship that really does work. Here's someone who's been in this role for as long. They're not your supervisor, but they are your resource to ask questions, unlimited questions. In a lot of ways, it makes new staff feel more safe to ask these questions because there is like you don't have this boss above you saying, no, you're doing this wrong. Instead, you're like, hey, how can I get help? And they're willing to help you. And they've been there before. Well, and especially with technology these days, I really feel like companies have no excuse because even back when, you know, years ago, I was a manager for apartment buildings, apartment complexes, and I was I lived on site at an apartment complex actually in Houston <laughs> one year Um and it was a nice property, what they call it, a property. It was gated. It was 246 apartments. They were really nice apartments. And um, the company wasn't huge, but every person that came in, they had online training. So Grace Hill is an online training that teaches you about fair housing and about resident retention and all the things you need to know for that job. So even though the company didn't necessarily have an internal person to do that training, they had an online system that they paid for that we could go and do that training. And I loved doing those courses and I felt more confident in my job once I did those courses online. So, you know, I think that's another thing with companies they should look at if they don't have the internal resource, where's the external resource that can just provide additional training and um, make those people more confident in, in their jobs and what they're supposed to be doing. someone who's worked mostly in social services, um, there's a, a lot of mandatory online like training that you have to do. But I would say another thing that gets really hard to keep up with those trainings if is there's no capacity for someone to sit down and actually do them. If they're supposed to be on the floor right away. It's you throw them, it's tr um, train on the job, it is work at your own pace, but then they're not getting them done and by the mandated points that the state or even federally say, oh, you have to have this training done in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it done? Because there is no time. And now we're punishing people for not getting their trainings done when really we have not set them up for success to even get them done. Yeah, I experienced that too. Actually, just last year, um, I have managed every kind of property except for RV parks. And last year I decided to take a job. Really, I took this job to manage an RV park. It's 352 um, sites. And I took it because I'm interested in building a tiny home community. And I thought, I want to know, like, how one of these places operates, where they have their own water, their own electric. They have everything, like, inclusive of a community. So I took this job, and um, they are very corporate, but they're very disorganized, where they have probably, like, seven software systems running everything. So you had to do Yardy for this, and you had to do camp spot for this, and you had to so you had to go in and out of all these different systems to even get the job done every day. And then we sold mobile homes, and so we were a broker too. And so that was a whole nother system. And then there were several steps involved in that that had to be approved before you could actually even make it happen. Um, and in in that. That's what happened to me in the beginning. Nobody explained to me how important it was that I completed these mandatory trainings on all these different systems. I've been a manager for 30 years. I just went in and started managing the property. My idea manage property, I was out in the community. I was getting to know the people. I was meeting vendors, getting things fixed that hadn't been fixed, you know, and I wasn't sitting there 
And really, I think that company sets itself up for, or their employees up for not being successful because the amount of requirements literally requires a manager to sit there for the full eight hours a day on the computer. And how can you manage 352 people living in a community when you're locked in a room on a computer all day just learning how to do this in the software and that in the software? You know, so there has to be some kind of balance. And um, again, just that's why I'm really good at like creating processes because I would streamline all that and pull it all in to where it was a simpler system that you could do everything in you know um but yeah that's funny you say that because i definitely was very frustrated even as a very experienced person i'm just like are you kidding me i had like 190 hours i was supposed to do in the first three months or something and then i had to like sit there day and day and day and do nothing else talk to no residents look at nothing else and just knock out all these classes because i had missed all these deadlines crazy no i've I've had to do, and it, honestly, it was more beneficial this way. I couldn't do all of my trainings by the time they were due, but I started spreading them out, and it was actually more beneficial because they were due annually as well. So it wasn't that, oh, I have these 100 hours that are due, and now they're due again in another year, um, and I'm doing it all at once. At least once I got them done, they weren't, they didn't expire for a year. So it's crazy how much trainings can be be handed over at any different levels because when I was a director of a shelter like I'm taking the same trainings that the staff on the floor are taking uh, the leadership are taking half the stuff that the case managers are taking and I have to do all the director trainings too and be there to support all of them it's hard to find the time to do all of that it was hard to get my staff to find time to do all of that it's just such a huge amount of training that's due within like 30 60 90 days I think that's also a problem with nonprofit that, you know, like needs balances. Most of the people that I know that work in nonprofit don't make very much money, but they take on all of that responsibility. And, you know, even though if it's not for profit, it still has to be sustainable, right? With a balance of capacity for people. A lot of these times it is the state or federal or even just contract-based trainings that are required. They're not even the system trainings. They're to be in compliance for the contract to bring in the money. So it's directly related oh, wow. to funding the programs. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's hard to run the whole business and do all that at the same time too, right? time on Conversation Spotlight, we discuss the factors that allow you to decide whether this job is the right fit for you. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.